Hey everyone, it has been so long since I've recorded. And I kept saying to myself, you know, I'm going to record today, I'm going to record tomorrow, I'm going to record, and then today's Friday. So I dropped the ball, apparently, very hard, very quickly. So if you're new here, this is Murder, Mystery, and History. My name's Christy. And I wanted to talk about murder tonight. It's been a while since we've done like a good murder. You know what I mean? And actually today I got in a conversation with someone about female serial killers. And it got me thinking about specific people. And I'm going to share a bit of a joke with you. I thought it was funny. It might not be funny to you. But I was telling my husband about this specific person that we're going to be talking about tonight. And he said to me, this is not relevant, by the way. It might be if you listen. But he had told me he had read this story about this meth farm in Kentucky or Alabama. And they had soaked an onion in methamphetamines and then they fed it to a pig and the result was a guard pig high on methamphetamines so I I had to know that information and now you do too so I wanted to talk about Belle Guinness or Gunness pardon me and she was born in Norway and as always with serial killers and murders I always ask that you save, maybe not save, but think about whether the serial killer was born or made. So she would be born in Norway, and she was the youngest of eight children, and that's still a very hard position to be in, because you're the youngest of eight children. And Around 18, or 14, pardon me, not 18, jeez Louise, at 14 she began to work for farms near her house, milking, herding cattle, that kind of thing, to save enough passage to immigrate to New York. And when she had saved up enough money and gone through this passage, she would change her first name to Belle. Her original first name was Brunhild. Now, she would, after she had changed her name to Belle, she would travel to Chicago to join her older sister, Nellie. Now, when she was in Chicago, she would live with her sister and her brother-in-law. And at this time, she was a domestic servant. So, that would be like a lady's servant, that kind of thing. And you have to understand, this all happened in 1881, the start of our story here. So... A domestic servant wouldn't be unheard of in 1881 it would be very common and New York isn't as it was in 1881 now it it has changed quite a great deal now she would tire of working as a domestic servant it's a very thankless job she would end up getting a job at a butcher shop cutting up animal carcasses think about that for a second animal carcasses. She was butchering animal carcasses until her first marriage in 1884. So Belle would marry a man named Mads Sorn in 1884 and they would jointly open and own this candy store 
which ironically burned to the ground. Now, their home also burned to the ground. And that's pretty suspicious. Like, even talking about it right now, your business gets burned down, and now your house? Come on. And in both cases, where both of these places had burned down, insurance would pay them out. Now, the thing is, Belle would give birth to two babies. And both of these babies would die. They would die at home, and they would die from something called inflammation of the large intestine. Now, this is a telltale sign of poisoning. Interesting, isn't it? Two children, two babies. And that, that thought alone breaks my heart. That you would have carried these babies for so long. And they would be poisoned. That breaks my heart. The interesting thing is, Belle had insured both of these babies. And after each of their separate deaths, she would collect a large insurance payout. Now, her neighbors would notice after these babies died, Belle would never become pregnant again. You can hear my co-host, the cat, here. She's meowing. And the thing is, there were two life insurance policies purchased for her husband. And on July 30th, 1980, both of these insurance policies were active and usable at the same time. One would start the same day as the other one would expire. So, the funny thing is, on July 30th, Mad Sorensen died. And you're probably asking yourself, what did he die from? A cerebral hemorrhage. And it's interesting because Bell would state he'd come home, he had this terrible headache, and she gave him something called quinine powder for the pain. It would be similar to an aspirin or a Tylenol. And she let him go lay down, the dutiful wife. And when she checked on him later to see how his head was feeling, he was dead. And she would collect the money from both the expiring life insurance policy and the one that went into effect that day. She received a total of $5,000. Now, $5,000 today is not a lot of money but in 1890 that was a lot of money like a lot and just to give you some context about how much five thousand dollars was worth five thousand dollars today is not that much but a value of five thousand dollars in 1890 would be equivalent to a hundred and fifty $3,000. Isn't that crazy? Just crazy. So, with this, all this mad insurance money Belle has, she decides, I'm not going to live in New York anymore. I'm going to move. So she moved to Indiana, and she bought herself a pig farm, which is why I brought up the meth pig. It, I, had to, I have to live with the fact that somebody told me that, now you do too. <laughs> So, you're probably thinking to yourself, what's going on now? She's got this pig farm, what's going on? 
So she would marry again. She would marry a man named Peter on April 1st, 1902. And he had brought an infant daughter with him. His previous wife had died. Pardon me. And he left the house and when he came back, his daughter was dead. To this day, nobody knows what this infant daughter died of in Belle's care, which is disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. It's disgusting that nobody knows what happened to this poor baby. Peter himself would die eight months later from a skull injury. And when Belle was questioned about this and asked what happened, she would state that Peter was reaching for something on a high shelf and a meat grinder hit his head, smashing his skull. And quite frankly, if we're talking about smash skulls, it, well, it takes a good deal of force to smash a skull. Something falling on your head would have to be extremely heavy. And I suppose a meat grinder might have done it, but from From an opinion that is certainly mine, it sounds like she probably bludgeoned him to death. Now, Belle collected more life insurance money. But the thing is, it was $3,000 this time. But Peter's body was sent to the coroner's jury. And basically what's that, what that means is somebody was suspicious. This must be murder. Unfortunately... Nothing came of this case. And you have to ask yourself, what would have happened if Belle had been found guilty? What if she had been found and what would happen? What would happen later? Would the story keep continuing? Who knows? So Belle would start to place marriage ads in Chicago newspapers around 1905. And men would start answering. A Wisconsin farmhand by the name of Henry Gerholt would travel. And he wrote to his family saying that he liked the farm. You know, it was pretty cool here. Belle was a good mistress or employer. You know, he, he was doing good. But can they send him seed potatoes? So they did. And when they failed to hear from him after that, his family would contact Belle. And she had said, oh, well, you know, he'd gone off with these horse traders and, and he's not coming back. But the funny thing is, she kept his trunk full of personal belongings and his fur overcoat. John Moe of Minnesota would answer an ad in 1906. And after he had corresponded with Belle for a couple of months... He ended up traveling and he withdrew a large amount of cash from his bank. And no one ever saw him again. And a carpenter who would do work for, for Belle would see Mo's trunk in her house. And the funny thing is, more than one of these trunks was there. He would later state there was around 12 or more. So you're probably asking yourself, what? How is this happening? How is this happening? You've got to be kidding me, right? Well, 
it gets better, actually. So, in 1908, in April, Bell's farmhouse burned to the ground. And when they found, when authorities had come to try and like put out the fire, they would find bodies. They found a body of a headless woman, which initially was identified as Belle, and three children, which they guessed were hers. And when they kept digging around and unearthing everything, they would find remains of 11 additional people on the Guinness, Guinness property. Now, after the fire and these bodies have been discovered, authorities were contacted by someone named Als Helen. And he, he had this correspondence between his brother Andrew and Belle. And these letters would show petitions for him to move to Laporte, where she lived on the pig farm. And he used to bring money and keep it a secret that he was moving. Well, when his older brother Al's went to the Gunnis farm with someone else, they were being paid to find these soft depressions in what had been made for a pen for hogs. So basically, they're looking around the farm and when they see the pig pen, they see that there's like really soft spots in the ground. And they started digging in them. And what they found turned their stomachs. They would find these sacks, well, a sack, pardon me. And it had two hands, two feet, and one head, which Alls recognized that to be of his brother Andrew. Now, as soon as they found Andrew, they started looking everywhere, everywhere around the farm. They found dozens of these depressions and they kept digging and digging. They would find multiple burlap saps containing torsos and hands, arms and heads, masses of human bone wrapped in loose flesh that dripped like jelly. And you have to think that's, that's decomposition. So they've been in the ground for how long and the skin and the blood and everything else is starting to liquefy now. So each of these has been considered a grave. And in each case, the bodies were massacred the same way. The body would be decapitated and the arms removed at the shoulders and the legs severed at the knee. But what's interesting is there's blunt trauma and there's gashes in the skulls that were found separated from the bodies. So one of the interesting things here that they did find with the bodies is the bones at the end had been crushed. Almost as though they even hit something or they've been hitting the bone with something like a hammer, a weight, a meat grinder. And what had also been done is quicklime. Quicklime is a lye that helps speed up decomposition. And when you scatter it on a body or anything decomposing it, it'll actually start decomposing faster. And they had noticed that quicklime had been scattered over the faces and stuffed in the ears of these heads. So somebody's trying to cover up what they did, Belle. So after they found these bodies, it just 
they would find five bodies the first day, six the seven, some in shallow graves, some in the hog pen, others near the outhouse or a lake. The police actually stopped counting how many bodies they found because it just got to be too many. Which leads me to question, how many victims did she really have? So already we find just in here 25 rough guess like i haven't counted but i should have counted but we're seeing multiple grave sites multiple bodies like she was a black widow for lack of better words now the perception of bell has been reported in the newspaper at the time she was this wonderful woman dying in the fire of her house that would change she was soon believed to be one of the worst mass murderers most of the remains that they found couldn't even be identified figure that out now there was a man named Ray Lamphere, and he was this hired hand that was kind of Belle's lover, on and off. He would be convicted of arson in November of 1908, connected to the fire of her property. He would later confess that Belle placed these advertisements seeking male companionship only so she could rob the men who responded and then murder them. And he also states that Belle would ask him to burn down the farmhouse with her children inside. He would also state that the body thought to be Belle's was in fact a murder victim chosen and put in the burning ashes to mislead investigators. Now, one of the victims had, had been warned that Belle might arrive at the farm. Pardon me. One of the victim's brothers had warned Belle, he's going to come to the farm. He's going to investigate. Where's his brother? And according to Ray, this visit alone prompted Belle to destroy her house, fake her death, and flee. While Ray was arrested, guess whose clothes he was wearing? Remember John Moe? And Henry Gerholtz, well, he was wearing John Moe's overcoat and Henry Gerholtz's watch. Yeah. As if you go to get questioned and you're wearing one of the victim's things? Like, come on. So, a journalist was given this assignment to acquire a confession from Ray. And it's based on that confession that... Ray contacted someone named Reverend Edwin Shell and gave him this verbal confession that would be transcribed and had Ray sign it. This document would be sealed in his personal space. Safe, not space. Pardon me. I'm having a hard time speaking tonight. Now you're probably asking yourself, what does this confession say? Well, in the confession, Ray said that he had killed Belle and the children with an axe, and he would sprinkle their bodies with kerosene and set them to fire. 
so that the house would catch fire. And he also would give details of the slaying and told of his part in the former murders, which would occur at the farm. And his task was burying the bar burying the bodies. The essential fact here was he was trying to say that Bell was not alive. And the thing is, even though Bell was pronounced dead, and even though the doctor who performed her autopsy testified that this body was five inches shorter and weighed less than what Bell is reported to have weighed, nobody ever found out what happened to the head. Whether Bell died in the fire or escaped certainly remains a mystery. And it just baffles me. At the time, it was so easy for her to slip away. And there are reported sightings of Bell in the Chicago area long after she died. And at the time when police would look into reports of women suspected to be her, none of them led to any arrest. And the thing is, people now have done these recent DNA tests, and I'm not even sure if there's any nieces or nephews to even kind of compare that kind of DNA, but the results, inconclusive. Can't prove it was her, can't prove it wasn't her. And after her crimes came to life, her farm became a tourist attraction. People still go across the country or into the states just to see the mass graves and souvenirs are sold and it's become this acknowledged part of history in the area and the historical society museum there has a permanent exhibit on her which is so bizarre to me absolutely bizarre like, uh, this is probably one of the worst mass murders or mass murderers in American history, but let's, let's make sure that we talk about her all the time, as I'm doing a podcast about her. So, this had a little bit of mystery. It was definitely a murder episode. So, here's my question. If you want to answer this question, do you think Belle made it out alive, or do you think the headless body was hers? Just a question. And I, if you follow me on Facebook, please let me know. Or you can tweet me. Yeah, you can tweet me. I, I'm part of the century now. I know how to Twitter. You can tweet me and you can say whether or not you think Belle died in the fire or if she survived. I really look forward to hearing everybody's thoughts about that. So, if there's a murder you want me to go talk about, let's do it. You can email me at murdermysteryandhistory at gmail.com. If there's some random crazy event that you want me to talk about, you can you can Twitter me at Murder Mystery and History. Same picture as the podcast. If there is some weird mystery you want me to talk about, you can even join me on the Facebook page and let me know about it. And the best praise I can always, always get is if you do like the podcast, you can share it with a friend. And here's where you can follow me. You can follow me on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Overcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. So, I think maybe next week let's try and get a really good mystery episode going. I think that's what we should do. If you have any ideas about a mystery... 
please, I'd love to hear them. I, I would love to hear what you think constitutes as a good mystery. So, on that note, until we meet again. <laughs>